Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Create one-on-ones your reps will thank you for and use Exvoyant to help your sales managers create unique plans for every rep on your team. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Richard Smith, co-founder and head of sales for Refract. Refract is a UK SaaS company that helps sales teams around the world improve their sales conversations through an AI-powered conversation intelligence solution. Richard's team is growing fast as they help name brand clients worldwide become insightful sales coaches with the teams they lead. Now, Richard knows how to do this job and do it well. He has done every job in sales, from SDR to AE to VP of sales, co-founder. He's done each of these jobs with amazing success. Today, he's a recognized thought leader in the world of sales coaching. He speaks at events worldwide, provides insightful content and observations, and I can't tell you how excited I am for him to share his point of view and his perspective on sales leadership and coaching with us today. Richard. Welcome to our show, and thank you so much for joining us. It is an absolute delight to be here, Rob. Uh, as you know, I'm a huge fan of you personally, a uh, huge fan of the podcast, which I've uh, subscribed to since day one. And after that introduction, my head is three times bigger than it was uh, five minutes ago. <laughs> it's well-deserved, man. I love the work you're doing. As you know, we, we actually had a chance to meet together at a conference in uh, London and, yeah. and I, I love your solution. I love what you're doing. And, I, and mostly I really appreciate a colleague like yourself that's doing so much good in, in advancing the world of sales and sales leadership. So thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. And I think uh, really passionate about the topic of coaching. Yes, we're in the, the, we're in the, the field of, of uh, selling coaching technology, but it's a, it's a topic uh, and a, a concept that's, that's genuinely uh, very, uh, I'm very passionate about. And, and, and obviously, we both mutually share that passion. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to have a good time today. But I want to start it off. I want you, uh, please introduce Refract to our customers, uh, not our customers, to our listeners. Have our listeners, you know, a little bit about Refract. What do you guys do? Where do you fit? Who, who, how do you help sales leaders? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Refract UK, uh, UK based company working with clients, uh, globally. Um, the whole concept of the, the technology is unlocking the, the, the black box of, of, of conversations you know, every day in, uh, sales organizations around the world. There's conversations taking place behind the proverbial closed doors. Um, and those conversations, in our opinion, is where revenue is, is won or lost. The, the, the problem is, is the lack of visibility most sales leadership have into those conversations uh, and ultimately lack the, the insights into uh, what their top salespeople do differently, um, what are the areas uh, within their team's conversations where there needs the most improvement. Um, but ultimately, the, the other side of Refract is, is about 
helping to uh, not only reveal those insights into those conversations, but arming sales managers with the tools to be able to uh, empower themselves as, as, as coaches, what they, what they should be doing in their, in their day-to-day role, um, helping to, to improve those, those conversations, improve the skill sets and behaviors of their reps. Um, the, I guess the whole, the whole concept of Refract, uh, the reason that we built the product was, was largely driven through our own experiences in, in sales. I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, where it was uh, ultimately just frustration of, 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 of not having the, the support or the, um, the, the, the managers to, to, to help uh, really take what, we would, what I was doing on the front line and, and making me a, a better salesperson. Awesome. And I love that story. In fact, what I love about it is, is you guys have brought an innovation to market based on your experiences. That's, I think, one of the reasons why you've probably had so much success so quickly uh, is, is you could connect with sales leaders because you've sat in their chair and you've built a you've built a tool that is relevant because it was purpose built rather than opportunity op, like an opportunistically built yeah. tool. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, that, that's right. And maybe just to kind of chuck some kind of meat on the bones there. I started life in sales as an SDR, fresh out of university, um, and this is what my kind of training looked like, Rob. Uh, I started in the role, I was given the, you know, here's the products, here's the features, the benefits, here's the people that we sell to, uh, here's the, the, the kind of job titles that you want to be focused on. Uh, and after that, it was like, okay, here's a phone and here's a list of people, you know, pick the phone up and make, make stuff happen. And as somebody who'd never done the, the, the role before, someone who'd never made a cold call, someone who'd never done sales before, it was... I was kind of left to figure it out uh, myself. The, the 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 feedback and the the support I got from my manager was was literally restricted to the uh, the the odd occasion they'd walk back past my desk and hear me saying something stupid, um, or uh, and and I was kind of I genuinely believe that um, because I didn't have that uh, coaching and that support that my success and um, development curve was was massively massively slowed down um, in my early part of my career and uh, from my perspective this is why I, I do what I do today is to actually um, avoid that pitfall that I was in and actually help salespeople learn get better get more successful in a much shorter time period. So you started as an SDR I mean quickly just just to kind of bring us to where you are now how what, what was your journey like I mean how did you why did you choose to get into sales uh, that's always interesting. How, did, did you find it or did it find you? And then how did that lead you to ultimately saying, let's do this? Because starting a company is a big decision to make. And I know I've done it uh, versus I'm just going to go get a job with someone. Can you just kind of fit, just give us the rest of that story, how you got into sales and, and, and quickly how it led you to starting Refract? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I did a computer science degree at university, realized very quickly that I hated computer science and that I was actually... <laughs> Not not very good at it. Uh, I probably stumbled my way through university in more ways than one. Um, managed to come out of it with you know something of a degree. Uh, kind of established at that point that I was never going to be a, a developer or an engineer. And so um, I think sales found me. So by chance, I got put in touch with this um, graduate uh, sales recruitment agency. Uh, who contacted me, who uh, convinced me to go and do uh, an assessment center, 
to kind of test out my you know behaviors and profile as a, as, a, as someone who could possibly have a career in sales got through that with flying colors and it was kind of from that moment I'd almost accepted okay sales is the going to be the career for me and didn't really know what I was letting myself in for in many respects <laughs> um, but I'd never looked back you know I started as an SDR as I mentioned felt like I kind of grinded my way through that role and, and, and managed to do you know uh, pretty well in that in, in that role I off my own back I started uh, almost by accident not being instructed to kind of do smaller deals closing deals over the phone when I actually realized that I, I, I could do the I could do the sales job that the more experienced guys sat around me were were, were doing um, then kind of developed myself within that company uh, to, to be one of the um, top performing sales reps. Uh, and at that point was kind of looking at my options. Where do I go next? You know, I feel like I've done five years at this tech company, feel like I've kind of achieved everything I want to achieve, feel like I need a change of scenery. And at that point, um, Kevin, who's the, uh, who was the CEO of that company and the CEO of Refract, uh, he said, Rich, I'm selling Refract, uh, uh, selling, the, selling the test factory, which is the last company we, we worked for. Um, you know that problem that we always used to have with coaching? Well, this is... This is the idea that I've got next. Do you want to help me get it off the ground? And um, that was the moment that we we both kind of had this had this idea written down in a big long word document. Uh, that was all it was at that point. You know, we we gave it to some developers. They built the first version of the product, and um, you know, since then that was uh, about five years ago now. And um, you know, we we've came a long way since. So, <laughs> congrats! That's, That's a great story. I love it. So um, it's awesome to, to hear that because it gives a little context on why you're so passionate about coaching. You said something that I, I really resonated with that you felt like your career was stunted early on because you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I'm going to share your perspective on this. We're going to talk about coaching today. Uh, we talk about a lot of things a lot of times, but I think you and I will kind of hone in on coaching for the most of this conversation, if that's okay. And um, I think that coaching has become the hottest part of sales. There was a time where we watched different sales texts and different things happening in the world of sales. I think that the world of helping leaders lead has become like this next big thing in sales. Do you see that? Are you feeling that? What What are your perspective around that? 100%. Um, you know, if you look at the past two years, Rob, and you've spoke at all the uh, events out there uh, and attended them, you go to any event now and what is the number one topic that is consistently being talked about on the panels and the people on stages, it's about coaching. Um, and I, it does feel like that has been a shift change that I've noticed in the last two years. Maybe when we started refract, it still felt like one of the big challenges that we were facing as a business in selling the product that we've got was we were selling the, companies who just didn't have that coaching culture and didn't even seem to acknowledge that they needed to, to change what, how they were doing things. And it just felt like it was a big battle. It felt like we were there to try and change a culture and a mindset before we were trying to, you know, convince somebody that our product was, that was going to be really valuable for them. Um, but as I said, that, that, that uh, shift change has been, in my opinion, monumental in the last two years. And I think that's been down to uh, a few things. So first of all, all of the, the excellent, um, research that you know, great organizations like CSO Insights and um, uh, the Sales uh, Executive sure. Board 
Yeah, been, for sure. And, 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 and also, you know, some of the, the, the great, um, surveys that, that have been, uh, put out there, which are, which is starting to just paint in black and white the very real ROI that great coaching and the benefits that great coaching can bring to an organization. It's, it's undisputable now, which I think has been really helpful in getting people to just kind of stand up and listen. Um, for me, the other thing is, um, especially when you look in the tech, in the tech world, no longer can companies just rely on their products to do the selling. They have maybe, you know, go, rewind back a number of years, the best products would get the bet, the, the, would, would have the most success and salespeople just relied a lot, a lot on just doing a demo of their products and, and, and having people, uh, you know, sign, sign the order forms. And I think because we live in, in, in work in such a competitive landscape right now, so many tools and technologies are, largely very similar um companies have started to realize that their products can no longer do the selling by themselves they need to have much more capable salespeople. and the biggest differentiator i strongly believe this that any organization any sales organization has out there is in enabling their salespeople to become more effective at what they do and having better conversations and interactions with their with, with their customers and um, I, I've seen that myself in Refract, and I, I see it in, in the industry as to why companies are starting to realize we need to take coaching seriously. How do we do it? How can we get better at it? What do we need to do to, to, to build that culture? So let's let's dive in. You said one of my favorite words. We, we work with uh, companies around the world. You work with companies around the world. Uh, non-competitively, I, I see you as a colleague. Uh, and and I, I always say the same thing. It's culture first, skills second. You know, you got to get a coaching culture in place before a yep. sales leader is going to take it seriously, developing skills. But this is what I want to start with. I, I'm really interested in your point of view because you have a unique one. I mean, the people we have, we have a couple thousand people listening to this, this show at any given time. And, um, we're going to have a lot of people that are going to be really interested in, okay, everybody's talking about coaching. I think I'm a coach. I think I've got this down. You and I have seen the data. 83% of sales leaders think they're amazing at coaching. Only 48% say it ever happens. And 13% of them say that when it happens, it's helpful. As you work with these great sales leaders around the world and help other ones become great, what do you see the best leaders do as it relates to coaching that the average ones don't do? This is such a big question. Um, <clears throat> I think the, the easiest question to answer is, um, what are the ones who aren't doing it well doing? And, that, and that's, that's quite an easy one to, um, to talk about. Uh, and I think what it come, what it knuckles down to is the, the great ones are truly changing behaviors and are looking to help make their salespeople find solutions and become more successful. The ones who aren't doing it so great are not doing that. They're, they're coaching via reporting. So I'll tell you a little story about where I've actually seen this recently in my, in my role is, um, I went to meet a prospective new customer for a frat. Um, this was a couple of months back. And as I was sat in the, um, they didn't, this come, as I sat in the reception area of waiting to, to meet my, uh, my, my prospect, um, I could, I could hear it at a sales team meeting taking place in, in one of the meeting rooms that I was sat outside. Um, and, uh, it wasn't a soundproofed, uh, room. So it was, it was 
it was uh, not difficult to kind of just pick up what was actually going on in the room. And what was happening was, was this, Rob. The sales manager was sat with all of his reps, sat around him. It was maybe about eight or nine reps in the room. And one by one, he went through uh, to each one, asking them, tell me what you did last week. And some of the numbers that he was getting from some reps were high, some were low, some were, you know, non-existent. Uh, and at the end of it, at the end of that session, the instruction was, okay, guys, it's, uh, we, it's, it's tough going at the minute, but, um, my best, my best recommendation here is, is go out and do more and, and make some more calls. We have to do that. Um, have a great, have a, have a, have a, have a great week and away you go. And I just kind of sat there and thought, you know, that, that piece of research that you've just talked about, Rob, which said, 83% of sales leaders think that they're, they're great at coaching is I actually think that a lot of those people fit into that person who is in that room. Um, and this might not be any down to any fault of, of that person because maybe they've never been shown another way, but it was a hundred percent agree with that, by the way, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. 100% with what you just said. Um, and, and, but ultimately what it was, was, um, coaching by is by reporting, reporting the numbers, the outcomes, um, not really understanding why we got that, what, why we got those outcomes, uh, and uh, ultimately the the um, the feedback, the the the, the coaching, and um, uh, for want of another way of uh, putting it, was go out and do more. Um, and I think as soon as as sales leaders, as sales managers, if our coaching just comes back to do more, by saying those words, we we're, we're not coaching because we're not finding solutions for the people that we're working with. So that flips me on and what the people doing it well are doing is they're not, they're looking at the outcomes, but they're finding out why they got those outcomes. And when they focus more on the why, but also the how do we actually improve those outcomes moving forward? What's a better way? How can we help you get better? When those conversations are happening, that's when coaching is actually taking place because what you get at the end of it is a salesperson who feels motivated. They feel like they've got a solution. They feel like they've got options moving forward. They feel like they've got a, a manager who's actually um, supporting them and, and is helping them find a, a better outcome. Um, and ultimately, that's the thing that motivates people. And, and if you coaching equals motivation, in my opinion, uh, and uh, and I think that's what I see that the best sales leaders doing is is that is they're using coaching to, to, to find solutions and motivate. All right. So I, you, you talked about one of my hotspots and I'm glad you went there. I didn't know you were going to go there, but I'm glad you did. Uh, you, I refer to what you talked about as, 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 you know, just talking about the numbers. I call it spreadsheet coaching. Yeah. And, and I think spreadsheet coaching is one of the easiest traps to fall into. I, I want to get a little, I want to go a little deeper on this because I think this is a big enough deal that our listeners we need to talk about what it means to be a spreadsheet coach and why we fall into that trap and maybe how we can stay out of it. I want to start with this and I, and I love your perspective, Richard. I don't think any salesperson really gives a shit about where they compete, you know, where they are on the stack rank as much mm -hmm. as they care about what do I need to do to be better for me? Because that stack rank, that spreadsheet report where all you do is you just rank where they are in terms of all these metrics it assumes that the only thing that's missing is motivation. That's what it assumes. Mm -hmm. And I believe that people want personalized, individualized pathways to get to the top rather than 
you just throw a number out there and then all you gave is a progress report. And then we hope that they figure out how to get there. Any thoughts around spreadsheet coaching? I think, I think it's, it's the easy, it's the easy path to follow. And this is, I, I, the reality is me and you know that coaching is not an easy thing. It's not an, it's not a skill that you just suddenly learn by being a salesperson. True. It's a, it's a skill set. And that's why, you know, companies like uh, uh, your own Rob are there to help actually to develop people into coaches. And, and that's the thing that people often fall down on is that, you know, classic case of the top performing salesperson gets made to be the sales manager and they're, they're, they're left without any level of un- understanding or know-how on how to be a better, how to be a coach. And that's the, the challenge that a lot of rep, uh, companies are, are facing. And so the easy path for people who, find don't know how to coach or struggle to understand how where to get started is they start to coach the numbers or the spreadsheet as you say because it's easy it's easy to bit it's easy to make judgments based on the actual raw data and the outcomes yes and, um but it's not as easy to find solutions and to find why we got to those outcomes um and, and that's the that's the key I, I just want to make that loud and clear is we, we talk about coaching as a hot topic coaching is not an easy thing to to, to, to do i still feel i've got so much to learn about being a, a better coach 100 um, percent. and and i just think ultimately the, the the problem the problem is is that because it's that because it can be difficult the easy option is just coaching the spreadsheet coaching the numbers and asking for more yeah you're right i think that's well said richard i mean the reason we have so many spreadsheet coaches is we really, it's harder to coach than people think. And I think people, leaders will interpret, well, I, I had a pipeline review or, well, I, I ran the stack rank report and I, I shared with them where they are and I kind of challenged them. Well, you, I guess you better work harder. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. That's why so many leaders think that they are coaching is because they are reviewing the spreadsheet with them. And the reason that, that the reps are saying, I ain't getting coaching. All I'm getting is progress report. Uh, that, that ain't coaching. I mean, true or false? No, it's it's true. I mean, you talk about a progress report. Most salespeople could find their own progress report. Most salespeople know how many meetings they put on the the whiteboard last week, or how many deals they closed last week, or even how many calls they made last week. It's all there. CRM. Like salespeople, they they can access that information. So we need to, as sales managers, we need to be saying. What can I, what can I do for this salesperson that is above and beyond what they can just find out themselves? Yes. Uh, and that's, and that's, that's where I'm getting to. That is, that is such a great piece of advice. I love that lens. I want to, I want to regurgitate it. Then I want to say it again because I think it's so important. I want people to like pause. This is a good thing to really like write down and ask. Here's the lens. Are you giving them advice? Are you providing them insights? that they couldn't have done on their own. If you're just regurgitating, I love that word. You know, you're just regurgitating information that they could have found on their own. What value are you? I mean, is yeah. I saying that right? I think it's, it's bang on, bang on Robin. Uh, I, I think I'd imagine there's a lot of people listening to this right now and we've all been guilty of it. We've, I, I've been guilty of, of, of falling down this trap. And I, I think everybody, if they want to become a better sales leader, they need to ask themselves before any one-to-one with their rep, what am I going to give to this salesperson that they wouldn't necessarily have uh, could have found out themselves? All right. I was just writing that down. That's, that's really good. And if, if that's all you do, if that's all you change and if that's all you add to your coaching, I think that's enough to have you move from an average coach to an appreciated coach. If that's all you did, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Right on. Absolutely. 
Okay. So that's, that's good. That's a really good difference between what you see the great ones do and don't is just let's start with that. Let's not overwhelm. Start with that. What are you giving? What are you providing? What do you bring to the table that they might not have thought of or seen or had access to on their own? So good. Let's talk now a little bit about, I know you have some good opinions on this because we've had the conversation. I, I love going in and, and again, you've talked about culture. When you're building a culture of anything, I don't care what it is. Performance cultures are only driven by four things. The aptitudes of the people you hire, uh, their level of motivation, the skills they possess, and then what they think their role is. I have found that role is the most important thing to get right because it drives how you spend your time and what you decide is a high or low value activity. Mm-hmm. Where do you think coaching should fall in the role of a sales leader? I, I'm really interested as you build coaching cultures, how do you help sales leaders see what the, where coaching falls in their primary? Is it a primary role? Is it a secondary role? Your thoughts around role coaching and sales leaders. So in my opinion, there's, there's, there's two important, fun, most important functions um, is coaching is, and I'll, frame that in um, getting the very most out of the existing that you have and helping them be more successful. And the other side is is great recruiting and, and getting them in the first place. Um, as a coaching fanboy, Rob, you would like to think that I would say coaching is the most important uh, role of a, uh, of, of, a, of a sales leader. Um, I'd actually say that the most important is is actually recruiting and getting the right people on board in the first place. Because if you don't get the right people through the door who have the right attitude, drive, coachability, then the the coaching is 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 almost going to be uh, uh, too much of a an uphill task, regardless. So uh, yeah, I, I actually think you know recruiting is is probably the most important um, thing to get right as a as a sales leader. Um, but follow closely behind of of coaching, which I will expand to say helping to get the absolute very most out of the the sales team that you've got and help them to be get uh, more and more successful every day um then what what else alongside that can be as important as 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 coaching um you know i know as sales leaders we live and work very busy roles where we're, all, we're doing lots of things um it's and it's trying to find the time to to, to, to do it but when you peel back if you look at your working week and all of the, the meetings and the tasks and the, uh, the, the things that you get involved in, the stuff, um, and you say, right, okay, out of all of those things, which is the thing that's actually moving the needle most and, and helping my sales team, the sales team that I lead, what's, what's the thing that's helping them deliver better results? Uh, and the simple answer to that is there's the time that I spend coaching and improving their skills and behaviors. Um, so for me, it's, yeah, recruiting, recruitment is, 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 is top of the charts, but, um, second is, is coaching and, and, and nothing else comes near it as far as importance of, of responsibilities for a sales manager. So I love that. And I, I, I think it's really well said. I, we had a different guest on the show that you may or may not have heard. He had a statement that I have never forgotten. And he said, if you try to take a duck and make a duck an eagle, you're not going to get an eagle. All you're going to get is a pissed off duck. <laughs> and and I've, I've not forgotten that. And I, and I think that goes to your point of a sales leader has got to get the right people. Yes, totally agree. And, and we don't want to try and, and turn ducks into eagles. Uh, that's, that's, that's very challenging. And, and 
while it may happen sometimes, it's the rare event, and I think it's a siren song. So if if you think that it, that coaching is a is a high second, and it's a <clears throat> excuse me, it's something that we should prioritize. Why do you think there's so much inconsistency in coaching? You know, why why do you think that so many leaders say, "Oh, I'll catch you next week," or "I'll catch you next month," and 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 they're inconsistent? Any any thoughts around? You know, the excuses that are associated with with coaching sometimes. Uh, so this is a, a an area I'm very passionate about. Um, Bring it, and I will accept as someone who runs a sales team myself. Time is something that you are constantly battling with. I, I appreciate and I experience this myself. Is that I'm we're busy people, um, but and and naturally we you know, things fall off the, the radar and fall off the schedule. And that's just, that's just life. Um, but unfortunately, when I hear this uh, reason, this, this uh, of, of why managers aren't finding the time to coach, and I actually, I actually dig deep into, into it. The reality is it's not necessarily a lack of time. It's not necessarily a, um, a lack of know-how. Although I do think those are the, those are the, those are definitely um, reasons in many occasions, it's that they simply can't be bothered <laughs> to put it bluntly, and that, that 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 might that might kind of rub some people up the wrong way. But um, you know, I, I, I so many sales managers when you look at how much time they spend, you know, the the, the stats show that the average sales manager spends five percent of their work in recoaching their salespeople. And you think that's such a tiny, tiny, tiny pizza slice of your working week. And, and what, are you, what, what are you doing with the rest of your time there? And I can guarantee that in so many other parts of their days that it's, it's the easy stuff. It's the sitting in meetings. It's the, um, I don't know, it's, the, it's the, uh, uh, the, the, the conversations with senior management. It's the, you know, the, the hours spent just staring at a, a CRM and looking at dashboards and, and, and the spreadsheets. And I, I just think that for many sales sales managers, that the the the, the excuse of time is is just too badly used, and it's actually um, you need to. They're not prioritizing the thing that's the most important thing in their uh, that that should be the most important thing in their working day behind uh, recruitment. Um, but I think for a lot of people, we've we've just talked about this is because they see that coaching can be difficult. It kind of puts them off doing it, and they don't have the driver motivation to actually try and make themselves and, and look for the, the solutions to become better coaches. Um, and I actually think that's the majority. It's not, this is, it's not always down to a lack of time. It's that I think for a lot of people out there, a lot of um, companies that they, they, they have this problem and that, that shows in the, the high turnover of, of sales people, people that they have is that their managers simply can't be bothered to actually do it. Um, you know, that might sound very blunt, but you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll fight my corner on that one. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're onto something with that. I, I think that there's a lot of interpretation on a what coaching means and b who you coach. Uh, I see so many different theories on who should get coaching, and and maybe some people even believe that you, you should leave people alone. And if you feel like I can leave some people alone, then sometimes maybe I'll leave them all alone. Based, mm-hmm. I think it just it's a it's an interesting slippery slope. I I'm of the opinion that you owe every member of your team a one on one. So you can help connect to their aspirations, if nothing else. Um, I think we, 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 yeah, I mean, 
Rob, I did this, I did this piece of research, um, a couple of years ago and I, I, I interviewed a load of people and asked them about what they think the impact of a lack of coaching uh, is having on organizations. And number one, the n- number one, um, uh, uh, thing that came out of it was that companies are losing good salespeople and we all know the cost of hiring. We know the cost of losing uh, our best salespeople to the competition or to the, the, the next company down the road. Uh, we know the cost of when we bring a new salesperson on board and the, the ramp time and how long it takes before that, that person starts contributing to the number. And um, the number one reason salespeople leave, practically leave their companies or they leave because they haven't been successful is because they're, they're not getting the time and attention and development that they, they deserve. Yeah. And, um, when companies, if they actually realized how much they spend and waste on um, basically having a revolving door of people coming in and out and uh, they're just throwing their salespeople uh, to, to the sharks and into the deep end saying, you know, here's a phone, figure it out yourself. Uh, they need to realize that actually that the, there is a solution to that problem. And um, that problem that they're not solving is, is costing their business an insane amount of money. So do you think, do you agree with that? Because this is another question I wanted to ask you, and I can't believe we're, man, we're, we're, we're starting to have to be worried about time, but we're, we're still good. Do you think it's a, it's a legit reason? Um, your rep, your salesperson, I don't care if you're an SCR, you're an AE, is, is bad coaching, shitty coaching, no coaching. Is that a, is that a good reason to leave a company? I think so, because we've got a, we've got a limited career as, as people, as individuals. People have aspirations. People want to develop. People want to make more money. People want to um, buy a house and you know settle down with families. And if they feel that they're not going to be able to achieve that, they're not going to get that progression. They're not going to be. They're not going to be helped to become more successful. Then, then they're going to go and find a company that's going to that's going to do that. You know, we've got a a, a, a limited window in which we can. Um, forge a career for ourselves and 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 uh, and and make a livelihood and make a make a living. And um, why waste that with companies who are just not going to bother um, giving you the time and attention of, of actually helping to develop yourself? And I, I just think that's every company needs to understand that that is a, a responsibility that they that 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 they owe it to their employees. Like you know, if it, it's 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 like anything in life, we we uh, in any profession. Every profession has professional development and um, support and training programs uh, to help get their people better and to help um, investing in them. Um, and, and it feels like in the, the profession of sales, that's just there's just not the care and attention there that, that there is in other uh, other walks of life. And so, absolutely, you know, companies need to uh, take that seriously. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that salespeople that are listening should should know if you're not getting that, it, you should find a place to go. And sales leaders that are listening, you should know. I think the reason that 68% of salespeople say they're looking for their next job and only 19% say they, they plan on staying in their job more than a year, it is too close of a match to the fact that only 13% say they get good they get good coaching, right? Sure. Yep. yep. That's why you want to hold on to these great people you're hiring. Give them a reason to. And it's not just how much money they make. It's are you helping them advance in their career faster than if they worked somewhere else? 100%. Okay. So let's let's get into the last kind of topic, and then we'll kind of wrap up the way we always do. I'm very interested in getting this. 
you, you know, we've talked a little bit about your thoughts on what makes great coaching, but I want to make it kind of real clear. I want to give you a chance to kind of lay out maybe a couple of blueprints and, and any non-negotiables you have to, to share with our sales leaders, you know, as someone who helps leaders, as someone who is a leader yourself, any non-negotiables that if you want to create a strong coaching, coaching culture, what are the things you have to make sure you get right? Yeah, so um, first of all is um, having a coaching schedule. Um, like it. It's about getting serious that uh, if this is going to be, you know, you, you call it an activity, Rob, and I, I agree with you. Um, activities will have schedules and they'll t- take place on certain times and dates and there'll often be those recurring events in your, in your Google calendar. Um, that should also be coaching. That should be something that is, <clears throat> you can't just start with coaching if you don't know what day and what time of the day you're going to be doing it. Otherwise, it's, it's always going to be the thing that's just going to be uh, fall off the schedule. Um, so you need to, first of all, get serious about actually putting those time blocks in your calendar. Um, you know, I do it, I do it here at Refract. Um, every Friday afternoon we do team, uh, we do, um, team call reviews. Uh, we did one, you know, just today. Uh, and it was like, everybody knows that's the time they can see it in their calendars. No other calls or demos or anything are allowed to be booked on that, on that time block. And um, that time block is, is permanently blocked out for this is coaching time. Uh, and once people kind of get that, see that regularity, see that uh, blocker on their calendar, then people start to take it more seriously uh, first and foremost. Um, the second the second aspect, which I'm a, a huge believer in, um, is is the, the, the act of practice in coaching. And, you know, we, we, we look at so many disciplines, sports, musicians, singing, magician, you, magic, you name it, uh, you, you get better by practicing and even the best people – uh, even the best people are still practicing every day. Um, and I think this is where, you know, things like role play and, and getting comfortable with role play, I've personally seen as, has been a huge, huge uh, factor in helping to build not just capability in salespeople, but probably confidence is, 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 a, is, is a actually more of a notable thing of getting, getting salespeople confident in, in real life selling situations. And, you know, my, my perception of role play has shifted greatly over the years from, probably having that, that, that sort of negative viewpoint towards it um, that I think many people do uh, uh, to actually understanding what effective, real effective uh, role play should look like. Can um, I ask you a question about that, Richard, real quick? Yeah. I, I agree. I think a lot of salespeople have a negative opinion of role play, and I think it's probably because they just don't think it's that relevant. Um, but I agree with you that done correctly, role play is one of the most effective things you can do because I don't, if you're not doing that, the only place you're practicing is on live customers. Any, yeah. any, any thoughts around how do you help a sales leader? Cause I could, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I got a sales leader that's driving in traffic listening to you talk right now, or he's on a treadmill listening to you talk right now. And he may think, yeah, but my people just hate role plays. Anything that you can give them some insight on how to make role plays more effective yep. and more impactful? Well, well firstly, People in my sales team who started the team and I suggested role play and I saw the look on their faces and they were like, I don't want to do this. Yet an hour later of doing role play done well, they're asking to do more of it. And when you get salespeople who are asking for more, you know that the coaching is effective because they're actually getting something out of it. And the problem that I see with so, with, with so often is the, the the environment that they're creating to do role play is completely um, is, is completely 
uh, irregular to how their salespeople actually sell. For example, if you're a SDR, uh, for example, then why are you role-playing sat face-to-face with somebody? You don't see your prospect when you're making cold calls. If you're going to do, if you're going to do SD, if SDRs are going to role-play, you have the role-players over the telephone where you can't see the person. It's like a much it. more, it's, much, it's a much more natural setting. If you're a salesperson who meets people face-to-face, then make sure you're doing it in a face-to-face setting. If you're a salesperson who does most of your uh, sales demos on Zoom, then do your role players on Zoom. I think as soon as we create an unnatural setting for the for salespeople and how, what they what they don't actually and what how they don't actually sell, then automatically things just feel more awkward. Um, secondly, um, I'm a big advocate of actually having someone observe the role play. So uh, this enables somebody to actually uh, for you to, if you're involved in the role play, then you're involved in the actual playing out of the situation. Um, you're the person who's observing can actually be focused on what's actually happening and provide the, the, the coaching moments and the feedback. And I think I'm a big advocate of just having someone shadow or sit silently on the line to be able to do that. Um, and the, 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 the final point is, is trying not to um, role play the entire sales meeting or the entire sales call. Um, people don't learn that way. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. You want to break it down into chunks. So, you know, practice role-playing the start of the sales call or practice um, role-playing a certain objection or practice role-playing a pricing discussion. Chunk that up into into manageable uh, into manageable um, parts. Uh, and then as a result, the salespeople feel they're not feeling overwhelmed. It's, it's completely focused. Uh, and I think, you know, just those three things together will start to see uh, people get just more involved, more passionate, and, and actually start to to want to do that, to want to do more role play, which is which is which is key. I love that. Those are such good non negotiables, and, and 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 that's a good blueprint for how you do that. Because I think you're onto something there, Richard. I think sometimes our coaching is going to be to help them see things through a different lens. Sometimes coaching is going to be, yeah, we've got to change the activity level. But other times, and I think more often. Coaching is going to be about helping develop skills that they might not have had. And there's a lot of ways you'll develop skills. And one of them for sure should be role plays and do it in a way where it's not goofy. It's not hokey. It's relevant and it's fun. And those are, th- those are some really good uh, suggestions. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah. And then the one last thing I just add on to there is, is some of the best role plays that I ever do are born from actual things that have happened in real conversations that week. So great example of this is uh, today one of the SDRs had came to me and they'd actually shared a, a call that they'd put in yesterday that didn't go too well. Um, I actually just reenacted that conversation. I said the, the same things the prospect said at the start of that call um, to kind of make it feel just much more realistic. It was very real. It was very accurate. Um, and I, I think when you can start to uh, reenact things that have happened in real sales situations within the sales team, those things just feel a lot more, again, natural and a lot more honest for the people taking part. Also good. You have such a great perspective. I'm so glad you've been on here sharing the, your perspective on coaching with us. Um, before we get into the kind of rapid fire to, to finish off this conversation, which has been so amazing, and thank you again, any, any kind of thoughts around, final thoughts around coaching that you'd like to just kind of summarize like your point of view, your perspective, or things you'd like to leave with sales leaders around the world on, on, on your thoughts about coaching? 
Yeah, I kind of, I kind of knuckle it down to this, um, and I I ask sales leaders this this question and, and sales managers this question uh, that I meet quite quite frequently, and I ask them is like, what do you want to be remembered as? You know, when you when your reps finally leave your company, you know, in forty years time or fifty years time when your salespeople are retiring. What do you, what do you want those guys to remember you as? Do they want you, do they want to remember you as the person who was really busy, who, you know, uh, coached from the spreadsheet, who, uh, you know, found a time to do a one to one once every, once every two months? Um, or do you want to be seen as the, the person who actually helped make them successful, who actually helped, help them forge a more successful career? Who's the person that you want to be and remember and, and be remembered as? And of course, the answer is I want to be I want to be seen as the the second the second option. Uh, and I think when we actually think of it in in those terms of like you know when I'm when I'm old and grey and I'm telling stories to my grandkids of uh, all the the, the salespeople that went and had successful careers and had great uh, futures and were able to ha- have live live great lives that I feel like I genuinely was a, a contributor to that. And that's, that's something that's, that's so much more fulfilling beyond money and earnings and all the rest of it. Um, and that's just, I think, something quite, um, potent for people just to, to listen and think about. It was like, okay, how, how can I be that person? Uh, that's such a po- powerful way to finish this. Um, that's great advice. And I hope everybody that's heard you is, is like taking note and asking them. That's a really good introspective question. Um, this has been fun, man. You ready to go through the rapid fire that we do with everyone at the end of every episode? Let's do it. Okay. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge and how do you beat it? Uh, um, I would say it's the, um, just the daily grind of <laughs> sales. No, it's, it's sales is, is repetitive. It's, uh, day after day, week after week. Um, it is the, it's, it's relentless. It's, uh, I, I kind of call it of like, you know, the Monday morning, the meetings board gets wiped, the, the, the next quarter begins. It doesn't matter what you did last month or last quarter. It's all forgotten about. It's here we go again. Um, it can feel, it can feel relentless. Um, and I just think the way that you, you beat it is just, it's resolve. It's understanding what your, your goal is. And it's, it's also just ensuring that you're doing the right things to have a, a sales team, um, around you who, are, can carry you as well and can have the enthusiasm and can make you make it worthwhile you know to come into the office every morning it's a really good one in fact that's a different one we, we've got a lot of, of different answers that's the the grind that that sometimes happens can mm. be difficult and i think you're right being that person understanding the process well enough being able to focus on like what's the thing we do now rather than getting lost in the you know the some the totality of everything that's a really good one thank you for sharing that Number two, <clears throat> um, this is a popular one that, that I, that I've, our listeners have really enjoyed. When you're interviewing people to join your team, do you have a go-to question that's provided really good insight for you? Something that's, you know, what, like your most important interview yeah. question when you're interviewing someone? Yeah. Key thing for me is I ask um, candidates outside of work, what do you do to help develop your sales skill set? Um, the reason that question is so powerful is that the majority of people 
don't actually do anything. And I think that's a telling sign of, you know, are they, are they actually serious about wanting to, uh, wanting to develop themselves as, as individuals and, and help to, to make themselves more successful? Um, and it also kind of weeds out for me, <laughs> the people who will say, Oh yeah, I read, I read lots of sales books. And if you ask them, okay, tell me, what was the last sales book you, you read? And if they don't have a good answer or they kind of stumble to give you that answer, you know, that it's, uh, uh, they, that they, they probably, uh, that, that probably isn't the case. But I think, you know, the people who, the people who say back to me, I'm an avid reader. I subscribe to blogs. I've got a favorite podcast that I listen to every, every week. And they talk to me about their most favorite episode. You know, those are the things I want to hear from people who are, who are genuinely passionate about, you know, they, 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 they want to actually, um, they truly want to develop themselves and, and, and want to make something about of themselves that isn't just in the confines of the, of the, uh, of, of the, of the office. Such a great answer. I love that one too. That's, that's, uh, that's also the first time we've had that that one come. I, you're, you're going, you're batting a thousand right now, man. You just keep bringing new insights to it, Richard. This is it's fantastic. What, this, hey, is what you get, this is what you get from the Brits. That's right, brother. So since you brought up reading and stuff like that, uh, we found that leaders are readers, and uh, and it doesn't matter if it's like the actual book that you turn pages, or if it's Audible, or if it's like you said, blogs or or, or podcasts. Anything you'd suggest? Uh, to our listeners of things that they should add to their personal learning journey? Yeah, two, two books. So first of all, I think for any, um, any salesperson, not just a sales leader, but you know, this, this is really valuable. I, I really enjoyed um, Baseline Selling by uh, Dave Curlin. Uh, I just think it's a really, really solid, um, a really solid kind of uh, digestible uh, book all about, you know, sales principles methodologies and, and really practical uh, practical based um examples to take into to work i think for sales leadership uh, i know that you'll be a fan of this uh, this book rob is, is sales leadership by keith rosen um love it i i, I read this book um uh, a few months back and it what that book did to me was tell me that confirmation that coaching is not easy this is a this is almost like reading that book was almost like an education um, and had gave me so much inspiration and, and also a lot of a, a lot of a spotlight on things that I do that a class does not good coaching and, and kind of course correcting me as a sales leader. But I think that's a, it's a, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant book for anybody who, who truly wants to actually um, develop themselves as a, as, as a true, as a true sales coach. Okay. Dude, those are all good. This has been fantastic. Richard, you have brought so much insight, and it's been a fun, fast-paced episode. I can't believe how fast this went by. We're going to have a lot of people that are going to want to continue the conversation. How do they get more of you? How do they get more of Refract? How do they kind of take the conversation deeper if they want to? How do they connect with you? Yeah, so you want to find out more about Refract, the website's uh, refract.ai. Um, uh and I post quite regularly on, on LinkedIn for anybody who wants to connect with me or follow me about, uh, well, actionable sales tips, actionable coaching, best practices. Um, so if you just, you know, search for Richard Smith refract, you know, you'll find a good looking gentleman there, uh, <laughs> just, uh, connecting with me. And, um, yeah, I'd be delighted to anybody who's listening to this show is, is going to be someone I'm going to, I'm going to want to connect with. So. All right. It's amazing. He, uh, he will help you avoid spreadsheet coaching at all costs. 
He will help you inspire and tie, and 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 connect to the aspirations that that lights a, a fire inside each one of your reps, and he can help you make sure that you are balancing the two primary roles of getting the right people and helping them advance far, faster and farther than if they've done their own. His name is Richard Smith, doing an amazing job uh, at Refract, helping build the coaching profession. It has been my pleasure to have you on our show today, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy selling, my friend. Absolute pleasure, Rob. Thanks very much. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And I've been watching Richard Smith build a pretty cool business over there at Refract for a few years now. And he was one of the early people to realize that coaching was an important skill for sales leaders to develop. And I think that's the most important message that everyone that listens to this should, should really be thinking about. Richard spent a lot of time talking about the importance of this, of coaching as a skill. Not coaching as a tech, not coaching as just a natural gift, not coaching as a service that you hire, but coaching as a skill. That it's a skill that you choose that you're going to get good at. It's something that you're going to intentionally uh, develop a competency in. In fact, he really talked about choosing to develop that skill and how it's something very specific that you... You just work on. And just like a salesperson has to work on sales skills and asking questions and listening and and resolving concerns and dollarizing, there's all these great skills that we have to have as salespeople. Sales leaders and sales coaches have the same thing. You have to move to a different skill set and say, how can I help people get something that they didn't already have? You know, How do I adopt that above and beyond mentality that Richard talked about? And I just really thought that that was insightful. I don't think that enough sales leaders do that. And that's why you see so many people that really resort to spreadsheet coaching. You know, they they call it data-driven whatever. And yeah, data matters. But at the end of the day, here's what I've learned. Data does not change behavior. People have to change behavior. We have more data available than we've ever had in the history of sales or the world or whatever. And we have more people failing to hit quota than ever before. So clearly it's not having better sales tools and clearly it's not having better data. We have to have people able to figure out what do I do next? How do I add context around the data's content? And that's why I love Richard's whole approach. He really had some great insights. I hope you go back and listen to it once or twice. One of my favorite points that he made was he said that the data shows that only that sales leaders only spend 5% of their time coaching their reps. And he didn't say coaching had to be the first and foremost. He, he believes that it's recruiting and getting the best people on the bus. But for sure, what you do with them is more important than who you hire. That old idea of get the best people and get out of their way has been proven to be false. Get the best people and then help them be better is the right answer. So you better get serious about it. Very few leaders are great at it. Only 13% of reps say they get helpful, meaningful coaching. The only way you're going to have that happen is if you work on it. You practice it. Don't just start going over the spreadsheet and throwing up numbers at people. It is an epidemic right now. There is a reason so many people are switching jobs right now. And if you can be one of those few people that are better, that actually make a difference in your one-on-one, you'll find that it's amazing how fast people will respond. One of our customers asked me to sit in on some coaching sessions they were having, some one-on-ones with their reps, and they wanted me to, to just ride shotgun and listen and, and pay attention and, and give some feedback. It was really interesting to see what a great sales leader does. 
Uh, this person is one of our customers, and, and, and she's a fantastic sales leader, a fantastic sales coach. And as good as she was, and she's one of the best I've seen, when it got done, she thanked me for giving her some ideas on ways that we can make the coaching better. And what I loved was this is a fantastic world-class sales coach that is intentionally trying to get better at what she does. The thing that I noticed the best, and Richard talked about this, the greatest sales leaders, they don't just try to motivate by being a cheerleader. I don't think that you can fake motivate people. But what Richard talked about is if you tie into their personal aspirations, then you can motivate because you can give them a reason to want to change. And that's what this leader that I was working with did so well. She knew the personal aspirations of every person on her team. And that was what she talked about most was their personal aspirations and then how we might make changes in order to make that happen. Do not fall trapped to the spreadsheet coach. Do not fall into the trap of the easy path um, where you just go to the spreadsheets, you go to the stack ranking and you make it about that. You've got to be able to answer the how do you do it. Don't just say you need more opportunity starts. Who should you call on? What kind of things should you be talking about? How do you prepare? If you can get to the how instead of the what, you'll then be able to answer the why. I want to thank Richard. I'm a fan of his company. I'm a fan of Richard. He's doing great things for the sales profession. If you haven't checked out Refract, give him a look. Um, I hope that you will find time to sit down and say, how do I make my coaching skills get better? Because companies that have great coaching just do better, plain and simple. Leaders that take coaching seriously and develop it as a skill become significantly more impactful than those that don't. So I'll leave you, leave you with that. Find ways to create significant levels of impact. Thanks for your support of the show. Make sure you continue to give us those five-star rankings. Continue to reach out with ideas for other guests. And as always, don't worry. Just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.